0: Welcome back to Rewriting History, Making Legends, a Hamilton and Marvel podcast. So today I will be talking about Loki, episode 4, um, uh, titled, oh yeah, it's called The Nexus Event, sorry, I was blanking there for a moment, uh, titled The Nexus Event. Um, so, yeah, this episode... Um, is amazing um, I think the the um, it's definitely the best the first time around because you have no idea what's happening and it's practically impossible to guess what's gonna happen next because all of it's so sudden and the reveals and stuff are come on so quickly and things like that so it definitely uh, keeps you on your toes and keeps you guessing and wondering um, I'm not saying that it's not a bad rewatch episode. I have like rewatched it gosh, five, six times. Um, about as many times as like episode five, uh, or episode two. But it's definitely very more exhilarating the first time around. Um, and v- and very, very tense. Um and yeah, not only did this episode have a surprise ending, um, it also had a post-credit scene um, that was very surprising and gave it a really cool twist. Um, so, uh, real quick, um, I wouldn't call it a warning, just a note. I will only be focusing on um, episode 4 of Loki, possibly referring back to episodes 1, 2, and 3 a little bit if I feel... If, if, it, as, if I feel it's necessary, and I will not be talking about episodes 5 and 6 of Loki. I will only be focusing on episode 4 and nothing that comes afterwards in case, um, some of uh, you listeners have not watched those episodes yet, or just to- and just to keep my focus on this episode and not what comes after it, um- yeah, so this episode um, begins with a flashback. Um, it, well, it's it's a flashback and it's also kind of just, it's it's Ravana Renslayer's flashback, um, technically. So she's having, she's like reliving this memory. So it, uh, there's the shot of Asgard and the, the golden castle, um, which is a really neat shot by the way. And then we see this um, kid, Sylvie, Um, she's playing with um some toys. There's like uh I think I heard the like read that one of the toys was um that dragon that we saw at the beginning of Thor Ragnarok that Thor was fighting, um after he took out Surtur. Um and then she's um she's playing this game where the Valkyrie are saving Asgard. Um which is pretty interesting, I think. I think it's a very overlooked detail, and it took me a while to, like, notice it, too. But she's playing a game where Asgard is saved by these really brave warriors. Not where Asgard is destroyed, not where she um takes out her revenge on Asgard, nothing like that. It's where Asgard is saved. um, Which brings up quite a few questions for me. She mentioned that she knew she was adopted in Episode 3, so, if if that's true, and it's hard to be sure, but, um, if that's true, that means she probably started off with a healthy relationship with her parents. Um, and she seems to just want to help more than enact or seek out revenge. So, just thought that was pretty interesting and a in detail I overlooked for a very long time. Anyway, um... Some TVA hunters come in, and one of them is Ravana Renslayer. So, we find out that uh, Ravana used to be a hunter for the TVA. Her, like, uh, hunter, num- like, name, or yeah, I don't, I, w- I wouldn't even really call it a name, but her, uh, number, I guess, is, um, A23. And I read that this is actually an Easter egg and a pretty fun one, too. So, the first time Ravonna Renslayer showed up in the comic books was Avengers number 23. So, A23, her hunter name, is actually a reference to the first time Ravonna Renslayer showed up in the comic books. And yeah, Ravonna Renslayer was a character in the comic books. Um, she was, I think she was like a time traveler at one point called Terminatrix. She had this, like, whole costume and stuff. Um for a while she worked pretty closely with this comic book villain called Kang the Conqueror Conqueror that is sometimes a very difficult word to say <laughs> Kang the Conqueror okay and um yeah that's kind of uh Ravana Renslayer in a nutshell from the comic books anyway um anywho uh they go back to the TVA um there's another detail that I picked up on after a few few rewatches where um, some war hunters bring in this guy, and he's, like, clutching his arm, and he's yelling in pain. And Sylvie looks at this guy in horror, and she goes, help him, why aren't you helping him? Which I also thought was interesting, because, um, that, 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 that guy in episode one that Loki saw get pruned. Um, which made him very quickly take out his ticket. So, if you remember that guy, um, after so the yeah he the the guy wouldn't take his ticket and he got pruned because he didn't have a ticket which resulted in Loki quickly getting out his ticket um he was pretty horrified by the by the pruning stick sure but it it wasn't like this whole time he was saying like what are you doing help him and um Loki doesn't really focus on uh people getting hurt he focuses on staying alive himself it's it's like um yeah, yeah, kind of like that. I don't even know there's not really a word for that. Um I suppose. But in it Sylvie's like you need to help this guy. Help him. Why aren't you helping him? Like she's begging them to help this guy. Um which I thought was pretty pretty interesting. She's looking out she she wants her, herself to be safe, of course, but she also wants these other people to to be safe as well. Anyway, I feel like i dig- sometimes I dig too far into this stuff, but that's kind of what I like to do these days because um there are so many clues hidden in these little details and those little details are overlooked a lot of the time. Um I overlook details a lot of the time and then and not just in Marvel but in like other movies and stuff, but I feel like there's always these little clues in the in um these little um overlooked details in the, in the Marvel movies and the Marvel shows, so just wanted to point that out, um, uh, it's, it's been helping me with a couple theories of mine, which I will discuss, um, in the episode I make on episode 6 of Loki, but we're not there right now, we are on episode 4, so, uh, yeah, um, uh, Sylvie goes through all the steps that Loki went through, although, this seems much more horrifying because this is a young girl, Loki's, um, in episode one it was more of just like a comedic thing with the play sign River. this is everything you've ever said, what if I am a robot and I didn't know it, uh, Loki quickly taking out his ticket, that was all for, like, comedic effect. This is, um, because it was just a, a young girl, this is a little more difficult to watch, um, and it, they made it a little, they made it look a little more threatening, I'd say um with the lighting and just like the silence and then like the dark music anyway sylvie gets to the judge and it's just this guy i don't think we ever really got a name for him but uh she bites uh ravana's wrist steps on her foot whips the temp pad off ravana's belt um opens the time door and walks through we don't actually know where she went at first um so yeah, I feel like that I I feel like it's not a question that needs to be asked, um but I also kind of feel like it is a question that needs to be asked. That that's really weird. It's like kind of in the middle there, but where did she go? Um because uh she had to figure out probably um the whole hide and apocalyptic events thing later because I don't think she just thought of it then. She didn't know much about the TVA. Eh? Um so where 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 did she go? Did she try to go back to Asgard? Um which which is an interesting question because um they put down a reset charge in Asgard. So did it wipe out that whole timeline or just like part of the timeline? I'm still not certain on the um like overall effects of the reset charges. But um Yeah, I'm just kind of curious, where did she go when she stepped through that time door? If you have any theories, um, you can leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, once this podcast is on Apple Podcasts, or, um, yeah. Um, Anywho, um, then we cut back to Ravonna Renslayer, uh, because this is Ravonna's memory, she's reliving. She opens the... The elevator with the golden doors, which we learned in episode three, because because Hunter C twenty told Sylvie that the elevator that leads to the Timekeepers, um, is gold. So she walked through these golden doors, so we know it's the Timekeepers' Chambers and we see the this like symbol on the um wall and I know there was some speculation that it was like runes. Not totally um sure about that theory, but I suppose anything can happen and then we see these like red eyes and then it goes to the Loki opening theme which I love I talked about how much I love it in my episode about episode two of Loki so yeah Um so after the opening theme we go back to Lamentis 1 um, Sylvie's so sitting on this like rock and Loki seems really hesitant um, he walks up to her he says I'm sorry um honestly this part surprised me a little bit i expected her to be super angry or accusatory or frustrated or like a mix of all three of those um kind of in a murderous rage but she just kind of nods and says i know kind of just accepting her fate and accepting that yeah he didn't mean for this to happen and i think i think she gets that um so, he he sits down on another rock that's, like, next to the one she's on, and she- I feel like- so she starts talking about Asgard and her past life, which she was keeping hidden on the train, because, as I said in, um, episode 7 of this podcast, um, where I was talking about episode 3 of Loki, Sylvie does not like to talk about her past, because in her mind- Um, anything she mentions makes her more vulnerable and kind of shows a vulnerability because I feel like when she speaks about this stuff there's definitely a lot of pain um, and that probably like she probably feels like that makes her more vulnerable um, and things like that more, more weak anything that that her enemies could use against her, things like that. She does not like to show any vulnerability. That was pretty clear in episode three. Um, but she goes into this whole speech because, and I think she starts talking about it because she, she, she knows she's gonna die. There's nothing she can do to get out of it, or so she thinks. But right now, um, she thinks there's nothing she can do to get out of it. She thinks she's gonna die, so um, she's been holding this pain to herself for so long and i think she realizes here's this person who's who who can relate to to the pain that i feel so i'm going to talk about it and let some of that pain go um just and um, talk to somebody who may like, understand and she goes into this whole speech, she says, like, I remember Asgard, my home, my life, my people, the universe wants to break free, so it manifests chaos, like me being born the goddess of mischief. Um, She kind of, Sophia DiMartino kind of enunciated on the S, she said goddess of mischief, like she's pointing out that she was, like, she, like she's pointing out she was born a, a female instead of a male. I think maybe is what's happening there because she really enunciated the S on goddess, I feel like. And um, she talks about how she was stolen from her home at a very young age um, and she ran away. And she, she, there's this really cool line. She says, I grew up at the ends of a thousand worlds which I feel like there's a lot of really heavy emotion in that line and just the way Sofia Martino said it made it feel really heavy and there was definitely a weight to that line I think which which is a uh, pretty 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 neat um but uh, gosh Sofia Martino did such a good job acting the part of Sylvie but there's so much pain and hurt and like devastation in her eyes as she's saying this um like, this scene is so good. If, like, if you've only seen it, like, once or even twice, I suggest going back and just watching this scene. It's so good. Um, and Sophie Demartino did such a good job with this scene, I th- I think, in my opinion. Um. Anyway, so she says, I grew up at the ends of a thousand... So that's where I grew up, at the ends of a thousand worlds... And she takes, like, this breath, and she's like, and now that's where I'll die. And there's a lot of bitterness in her voice, and also, like, more of that pain and sadness, because she got stolen from her home. She wanted to destroy the the TVA for so long, and now she's just going to die here. um, At the end of a world where she's been growing up for all these years without doing anything to get revenge on the people who ripped her from her home, so... Right now, it kind of feels like probably her whole existence has been for nothing. Which must really stink. (laughs) Um, And she pauses for a minute and she says, Do you think what makes a Loki a Loki is that we're destined to lose? Um, Which was an interesting line. I mean, because if you call back to episode 3, Sylvia asks, What makes a Loki a Loki? And, And Loki responds, like um, I forget exactly what she said. It was something like wit, charm, style, something like that. Anyway, so she brings up that question again. Do you think what makes a Loki Loki is that we're destined to lose? Um, which I feel like kind of points to maybe why she changed her name because it seems like she changed her name. She says, "Um, don't call me Loki. I'm Sylvie now." she said that in episode 3 like I'm Sylvie now like I wasn't Sylvie before I'm Sylvie now so did she change her name because um the name Loki is associated with losing maybe and she says that do you think what makes a Loki Loki is that we're destined to lose no matter what we do no matter what we try to do we're destined to lose so it, it kind of makes you think that that line another one of those small details that I try not to overlook because there's clues hidden in it, I think. Anyway, this goes on to one of the best lines where Loki says, no, we may lose sometimes painfully, but we don't die, we survive, which I I really like that line. Like, what makes a Loki, Loki, we survive. Um, great, great response there. I also thought it was kind of ironic that he said that right there, like, right then when they literally both thought they were about to die. And there was nothing they could do to get out of it. Or so they thought. Anyway, while the speech is going on, back at the TVA, um, Mobius and B-15 are watching the timeline. Um, and they have it. they have a- like, all these, um, settings on so that, like, um, Mobius says, like, um, this thing should- go off if somebody steps on the wrong leaf. So, yeah, really high sensors on the timeline right now. Um, just wanted to bring that up. Because, um, that line, um, stepping on the wrong leaf should cause the thing to go off. It's kind of important later on. Not important, important, but, like, it comes back. Um, yeah, so, um, Going back to the We Don't Ever Survive, Loki continues this this little speech here. He says, I mean, you did. You were just a child when the TVA took you, but um, you nearly took down the organization that claims to govern the order of town. You did it on your own. You ran rings around them. You're amazing. Which, this scene right here is very important because um, in his whole life well not because we didn't see all of loki's life but like in the movies and things it was he never really complimented anyone that genuinely i don't think he complimented anyone in general if it was it was a sarcastic compliment and um it it probably wasn't very genuine at all this was like a genuine compliment like i don't think he's ever really done that before so this is pretty big for him he's really breaking through that shell but it it also shows like just this admiration for her that he's probably never felt for anybody, not even Thor, not not even Odin, maybe Frigga, but this is, this is, a this is, uh, Frigga didn't uh, nearly take down the organization that claims to govern the Order of Time, so I feel like it's also Loki kind of acknowledging that Soviet is the superior Loki here, <laughs> which, um, um, Moeus and Loki were arguing about in episode two, um, anyway, so, uh so he's Loki's never complimented anyone like this before. So he has never been complimented like this before. So she's like genuinely touched. There's so much genuine things going on emotions going on here right now. Um Yeah, it's not a lot there's not a lot of lying going on here right now and for two Loki variants that's that's pretty good. Five minutes without a lie. I'd say that's pretty good. Um anyway, she's genuinely touched. Um it's kind of instinctive. She puts her hand on his, um, arm, and this sets off, um, this huge branch on the timeline. And this is where that line is brought up again. Mobius is like, whoa, that's not somebody stepping on the wrong leaf. Like, he knows this is- this is big, and he's- he's wondering what's causing it. And this scene is interesting, because they're about to die, they're about to be wiped off, they're supposed to be dead anyway. Why would Sylvie touching Loki's arm set off a nexus event? Um... I've seen multiple theories on this, and I've kind of, like, taken some to develop my to develop my own, kind of, I've, it's, it's, see, what, what I think happened, possibly, is, um, like, like, it's, um, these, these two people have been alone all their lives, right, like, I mean, I guess Loki had Odin and Frege and Thor, but he never felt like he belonged, he always felt like the outcast, he always felt kind of alone, um and she's been on the run her whole life. She literally had nobody. So there's these two people who are very alone and then suddenly realize they both understand each other in a way that nobody else has been able to understand either of them literally ever. Um so there's this there's this like realization, oh my gosh, I'm not alone in this world anymore. Like here's somebody who gets me um and like gets what I've been through. You know, realizations like that. Um, and and two two Loki variants who who realize that they're um, more powerful than they realize, that they don't die, they survive, that they're not alone in the universe anymore. those become very powerful Loki variants. And I feel like um, that when you have two very powerful beings like that, the universe can't help but take notice. And so a Nexus event ensues. And not just a Nexus event, but a huge Nexus event. What's interesting about this one is that other Nexus event, they've kind of been going in a diagonal line. This one's literally like straight up and down a Nexus event. And it's going very fast. And um, it got very close to Redline. Like it it was moving fast, straight up and down. That is... It was weird and probably unnatural. I don't know if the has ever gotten an up, like a straight up and down Nexus event line before. Um, I don't know if that means it's like super big or if it's just literally never happened in the history of the TVA. I don't know, but it, it happened there. So, interesting, interesting stuff. Um, another kind of like theory is about why the nexus event could be created is because yeah the universe would want to you know take notice of this but in the comic books nexus beings could change um the time stream and the timekeepers in the comic books who wanted one timeline one time stream to kind of rule rule over they knew that these nexus beings would get in their way because Nexus beings can alter the time stream, so they wanted them out of the way. So, um, this made me think after many, many rewatches is Sylvie a Nexus being? Is Loki, or like, or is Loki a Nexus being? Are both of them Nexus beings? Things like that. Or, but I really, really honestly think that Sylvie is a Nexus being. Um, and she was able to. Changed the time stream in this huge way by I feel like it's it's a very like a like a subconscious power almost like like there was this emotion of oh my gosh, I'm not alone anymore, and then subconsciously she altered the time stream in this huge way that caused a straight up and down nexus event. I feel like that could be a possibility it's way out there, like that possibility is way out there, but I feel like. I feel like I shouldn't ignore any possibilities at this point. <laughs> so that's kind of my main theory there. Is that one or both of them are Nexus beings. Able to alter the time stream. But especially Sylvia, I think. Anywho. Well we're 25 minutes into the episode. And I still haven't gotten past this like one scene. But I th- it's a big scene I think. I think it's more important than we, than we think. Um. Honestly. Um uh this meteor crashes in front of them dust is going everywhere um they like grab each other's hands they're like preparing for the worst um yeah so funny fun, fun, funny story in episode 3 when they were talking on the train to me it felt very much like um that classic thing they were setting up a relationship between these two characters and i was like "Uh, i don't i don't know if marvel would be crazy enough to do that with two loki variants um i think i'm just imagining things i think i'm going crazy um yeah i'm i don't think they're gonna do that and then boom episode four i'm like oh my gosh they're going for it i guess i'm not crazy okay i was really hesitant about in episode three but i started to 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 launch onto the idea in episode four um but yeah I was I was honestly surprised because I thought I just was I thought I was going crazy but um it was like oh my gosh I'm not going crazy anyway time doors open um tv hunters pour out capture Loki and Sylvie Loki gets brought to the time theater with Mobius Sylvie gets brought to another time theater um um Loki gets thrown into this like time time loop prison cell thingy um time cell I think it's called it, it, this So, you know how in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Scott Lang brought up that um when it, it, the people who work with, like, quantum stuff literally put the word quantum in front of everything. Quantum physics, quantum tunnel, quantum realm, quantum theory, quantum suit, whatever. In the Time Variance Authority, they put the word time in front of everything. Like, for real. Time doors, time theaters, time cells, time loops, time variance authority. Um, what else? Did I say time doors? I don't know. Um, timeline. The, the Timeline was already a thing, but, um, y- yeah, so, just, just thought that was funny. Anyway, um, Loki's stuck in this, um, memory loop, uh, about where he so he cut off Sif's hair, and Sif comes out, and she calls him, a uh, like, conniving, craven, pathetic worm. She stalks up to him, she's like, you did this, she, like, kicks him in the shins, and then, like, punches him in the face, and, like, walks off, and this is repeated multiple times. Um, and, for, uh, uh, Loki gets pretty sick of this, um, uh, understandably, and he, he starts begging Sif to stop, he says, please, um, I'm sorry I did it because um I wanted attention because I'm a narcissist and I think it's because I'm afraid of being alone. And so it seems to feel pity for him and so she helps him stand up and then she like she like leans into him and she's like, You are alone and you always will be. And then there's like this dark music after that, so it was like, Whoa, things just got heavy. Um that's when Mobius walks back in. And they go back into the time theater where Moby sits Loki down for this chat about how Loki betrayed him and Loki goes into this lie, um, about how Sylvie came to him, um, on Asgard, took him to one of her apocalypses and that's where they hatched their plan. And then he starts saying how, um Sylvie's just a pawn. Um, and I don't care about her anyway, she's annoying, she tries to hit me all the time. Um, she doesn't matter to the cause, I don't need her, when I'm done with her, I'm gonna kill her anyway, stuff like that. And when he says that, Mobius is like, well, we saved you the trouble there because B-15 already pruned her. And great, great acting by Tom Hiddleston, Loki's face just falls when he hears Sophie er, wow, Sylvie, sorry, Sylvie is, has been pruned. Um... Like, it's just devastation. Yeah, so he is just very sad. Um, and, oh, who's that? I got my pruning gun. Oh, look, it's it Tom. Pruning. My co-host Prunes. from Back and Forth. to be pruned. We make the Tom and Carol podcast. I totally just made that name up. You're bad. The. Um, shush. Talking about. It's off. That one scene. Okay, so... What one scene? Huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, listen to my podcast, No, scary no, stories. stop. Stop. I'm talking. You can you can add thoughts when I say... What what are your thoughts? Okay. Because you just, like, oh, popped okay, in okay, right so, in the so, middle of the episode. My, my, no, um, no. My podcast, you just, you just stop. said it. You just said it. Stop. Just said it. I'm not on the show. What are you talking about? I'm 30 minutes into the episode, but so... what? Are you doing the Fire Force scavengers, Price scavengers? No, You're... I'm doing Rewriting History Making Legends. What's that? I just coined my own podcast on my podcast. No, stop. Huh? Um... So okay, okay. You never told me about your new podcast. Didn't I, I you literally say you're just do rewriting did. history. Oh, I hate Hamilton. Why am I in here? But Goodbye. This is a podcast on like Loki episode four. But it says rewriting history. That's that's your, that was yeah, and then Hamilton. making legends. So okay, anywho. You think of Hamilton? So as yeah. Legends? So Loki was really. There's a dead thing in here. Would you shush? Poor Chompy. Okay, so. Loki was really annoying. devastated, and he's trying to, like, act like he's not, but Mobius is not falling for it. Tom, let go. Let go. Do you want to leave? I will send you out. You're being as annoying as a Loki. Stop! Okay, so Why yeah. you saying stop a bunch? Um, it's weird. So, Mobius totally isn't buying it, and he starts laughing... And Loki is yeah, he exactly. He just he like he that. He anyway, I said stop he touching he my he stuff. He talk he talk. So, Mobius, he starts, yeah, laughing. So, Loki gets really confused. And, and, and um, Mobius just keeps laughing. And Loki's like, what's so funny? <laughs> And Moby goes, come on, look at your face. You like her. And it, this this kind of starts at <laughs> <laughs> her. Yeah, exactly. This like starts, starts this starts sounding like um like a high school show where the oh. the the annoying friend is like, Oh my gosh, you like her, don't you? And then the other friend's like, No, I don't. Oh, yes you do. Yes no, I, I don't, do. yes, yes I you do. do. Yeah. I do. yeah I do. Okay, anywho. No. And and Loki's like, What? <laughs> yeah, oh. what? Oh. Um and Oh, and by the way, Tom, we're not talking about episode 5 and 6, in case listeners haven't seen it. Okay, where was I? Um, yes, so, uh, yeah, Mobius is totally enjoying himself here. He's, like, having the time of his life. I'm guessing he doesn't get to tease many people about this. Um, so, um, what was his speech? It was, like, two beings of this, or no, two Variants of the same being, especially you. Uh Do you remember the speech, Tom? Hmm. I need to think about this. Okay. Two variants of the same being. Espe- oh yeah, especially you forming this kind of sick, twisted romantic relationship. That's pure chaos. That could break reality. It's making it's breaking my reality right now. What an incredible seismic narcissist. You fell for yourself. I remember laughing so hard at that speech, even though I do disagree with some of it, but it was so funny. Tom, what are your thoughts on that amazing speech? Probably the best speech in the whole show. Tom, what are your thoughts on the speech? That's weird. Um, <laughs> I'm spying. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the speech? What speech? The Mobius speech. The Mobius speech? Never mind. Okay, so... Let's see. <coughs> yeah, um, so where, uh, Mobius is in- totally enjoying himself, Loki's, like, having a panic attack. <laughs> he's, <not laughs> he's having a panic attack, because he's, like, is this she... a place that he would do, though. Interesting. <laughs> like, because... He's like, is she alive? Is she alive? And Mobius is just like, what an incredible narcissist. And yeah, Loki's having this total, like, r- like an emotional breakdown. So, yeah, that was, uh... Anyway, um, we do find, um... No, Loki got to his breaking point, um, because he said her name was Sylvie. And Mobius went, oh, Sylvie, that's nice. Is that with an I-E or just an I? And Loki basically just about lost his mind, because he was like, is she alive? He, like, screamed it at him. So, yeah. Moby's kind of pushed him over the edge of that whole I.E. or just, uh. um, oh my gosh. so yeah, she's still alive. Oh it's funny how, how the god that, the god of mischief, the one who lies all the time, could not see through that very obvious oh gosh, lie, I just screamed. but anyway... Cause I I knew it was alive basically immediately, but hey, I guess Loki doesn't know that Sylvie's one of the main characters in a television show that won't die so, uh, in the fourth episode. You know what I think is very ironic about a lot of the speeches, like it was. So there was that there was that thing where Ivana Rensler said in episode one, where she was like, "This is not your story, Mister Loffeson. It never was." Yeah, this is. It's I thought that was funny because. In Avengers, Thor, Thor the Dark World, Thor Ragnarok, who's the one that stole the show every time? Loki, and it's no not—it's not his show. It never was. Leave them alone, Loki. But now, yeah, he does have his own show. And there was episode two where Sylvie was like, "This isn't about you," but yeah, the whole show is actually about him. So there's a lot of ironic lines like that. Whoa. Where? Um. Oh, what was the next scene? It was the Sylvie scene, I think, because Loki got thrown back in the time. Um time loop, time prison. I I was telling the listeners, Tom, um, you know how in Ant Man and the Wasp they put the word quantum in front of like everything? I just like Scott points out. In Loki they put the word time in front of everything. Anyway, um B fifteen comes into Sylvie's time theater and Oh gosh uh, takes her back to, um, why did I just forget the name of that city in Alabama? Happy, Mm. I said it earlier in this episode, did I? Haven Hills, Alabama, that was it, um, to Rock's Cart, um, and B-15 is like, I saw something when you enchanted me, show me, and and, um, Sylvie showed her her memories. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Random. Um, but <laughs> I think Winnie Moussaka did a really good job with the scene. Because she did a really good job acting. Who's that? Winnie Moussaka played B-15. Who's that? Very funny. Who's um, that? Um. So that that was a really powerful scene, I thought, and that was kind of cause cause um I have lots of money. Sylvia at one point said, "We're both like prisoners. Oh, we're what the am same." I here? Just a question. And she she really kind of understood the reaction B fifteen was having, and she realized that yeah, they kind of are the same. <gasps> Holy moly! In the way that they both got robbed of their homes and stuff, and that was kind of like a very nice oh, um, revelation for Sylvia. Tom Stop Um what the heck? Oh my gosh. Let's see. Um yeah, so then we go back to Oh, it was Mobius, because Mobius ended up talking to Ravana at one point. Um and ravana had this really nice speech. Um not that it mattered in the end because spoiler alert she had Mobius pruned. Um but Mobius steals Ravana's tempad goes to the archives, watches this video and oh, realizes that yes. Loki was telling the truth because C20 is saying like the same thing as Loki and Sylvie and Carol could you please pause this why cuz i want to tell you something tell me afterwards um mm, no so uh yeah so he goes back to the time loop prison thing and um um, he real. he said, he tells Loki that he now knows Loki was telling the truth. Um, if they want to save Come Sylvie, people. they're going to have to hurry. And, uh, he tells Loki, you can be whoever you want to be, even someone good, just no, in case no, anyone no, ever told you different. No, 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 Which was kind of an apology because Mobius said differently. I'm sorry. Stop. Oh, that's what you were like, that's what. Actually, in this scene, Loki calls, um. Mobius, a friend again, which. Um. As, just like it did have an impact on Loki when Mobius called Loki a friend, this has an impact on Mobius. Anyway, they walk out of the time loop to go free Sylvie or something. I think that was kind of the plan there. But they run into Ravonna Rensselaer and a group of Minutemen. Uh. Ravonna has come back to get her tempad, um. And. Moby's uh pretty much knows what's going on, but he's a little confused about why Ravana's so stern and stony faced and stuff. And uh they were they've been talking about um if they could go anywhere wherever they go. And in this scene movie is like, you know where I could go if I could go anywhere? Wherever it is I'm really from and he goes on to say, Maybe I had a jet ski um and Ravana um uh, looks very pained in this. Like she it's kind of like a heartbroken expression, like she's kind of accepting that Mobius just said this and now he's going to need to die for it. Um Really great acting on Google Ra's part. Um I think she really did a good job at the scene, but this this scene happens so quickly so R- Ravana goes, prune him and boom, just like that. Moby's a prune. He's gone, and it happened so fast, like prune him, prune gone. Like it was pretty obvious um, that it took Loki a second to process what had just happened, and it took me a second to process what had just happened. It it gave it took me a couple seconds, like I, because it just happened so quickly, and that made it all the more um, um, devastating and honestly just scary um, to, to watch that happen, but it was a very traumatic, devastating moment, and, yeah, it took me a couple of seconds to just wrap my head around what I'd just seen, and Loki just looks absolutely shocked and horrified, and Ravana like, she couldn't even watch him get pruned, and all of this is just adding to the, just the horror and awfulness of the scene, um, uh, Loki gets taken out of the time theater. Um, they're heading to the golden um, elevator, which um, is where is the way to get to the timekeepers. Um, Sylvia is brought there as well. Um, Ravana puts out an alert for B fifteen because Sylvia's hair is wet, so she's obviously been somewhere. And the Minutemen explain that B fifteen is just on going to Sylvia's time theater, so Ravana knows B fifteen um uh knows the truth um so Sylvie and Loki get brought to the timekeepers on the elevator ride Sylvie asks what her nexus event was uh to which Ravana responds I don't know which I think she does know because she she like um kind of like maliciously grinned after that like she was enjoying watching Sylvie suffer emotionally in this in this way um, see I think the interesting question is what? why does she want Sylvie dead so badly because really the only thing that Sylvie did to her that we know of was kind of embarrass her in front of the judge um, at the time um, unless she was maybe punished severely or just feels a tremendous amount of guilt because Sylvie has killed so many hunters and minutemen I'm not sure, but it doesn't seem like she's done much personally to Ravana, other than maybe damage her ego a little bit and mess with our conscience, but um, those can be very powerful emotions and can lead to a need of revenge, I suppose, especially in stories um so they get brought before the timekeepers instantly, I think, I noticed something was off and so the the CGI on the timekeepers, I'm not sure if it was just not um very well done maybe or if it was supposed to look a little um animatronic-y because it when I saw the timekeepers I immediately thought man they kind of look like animatronics like like uh, Halloween decorations or something which they ended up being animatronics or androids whatever you want to call them but yeah um they they had really odd voices. I it, I kind of pieced together most of what they said. I put on the subtitles at one point just to make sure I knew what they were saying. I had gotten it mostly right. Yeah, very odd voices. Um Uh Anyway, Sylvie tries to um she steps forward. I don't know what she was thinking about doing, maybe swinging her sword at them or something, but Ravana uses the time caller to loop her back so she's standing beside Loki again. Um and then, suddenly, the kind of starts to fizz, and then the elevator doors open, B-15 comes out in this very dramatic fashion, and she, she um, says, like, the TVA mantra for all time, always, tosses Sylvia her sword, unlocks the time callers, and then an epic fight ensues. Um, I think the best part of this fight was the fight scene between Ravonna Renslayer and Sylvie. Um, which was really awesome to see, and it was like these two really powerful, talented women um, at odds with each other, and it was really cool. In the end, Sylvie wins. She knocks her bonnet out. She chops off the head of the timekeeper in the middle, the one with like the blue oval head, and it falls to the ground. Loki is the one to spot it first, and there's wires inside of the head, and gosh, she'll just devastated here. She picks it up and she looks at it and she goes, like, she just, she's horrified by it. She's just, like, mindless androids. Whereas, Loki's very angry. He's like, where, where does it end? Who created the TVA? Um, because it's, it's just all lies. Like, wherever you go, it's just lies, lies, lies. Oh my gosh, the TVA agents are variants. Oh my goodness, the timekeepers aren't real. Oh my gosh, Ravana knows something that other people don't. What is happening? But Sylvia's just devastated because this whole time she's just wanted to kill the timekeepers. That was her mission. In Loki terms, that was her glorious purpose. And we know how much uh, uh, a Loki variant's glorious purpose can mean to them. It really means something. They feel like they have to fulfill it. And... Her mission, her glorious purpose, ended up being a lie. So, yeah, and I think I think Loki understands it and understands the desperation because his glorious purpose, in his mind, at one point, was to get revenge, to get the throne, to prove to Odin that he was good, that he was the better son, things like that. But he ended up um, uh, losing to Thor in Thor the movie um, he ended up losing the Battle of New York, um, with the Chitauri in the Avengers. Um, you know, he's just lost, so he understands that, like, desperation and feeling of hopelessness. So, um, he comes up to her, and honestly, this part was a little bit awkward, for real. Like, I I was starting to get on board with the idea of a Sylvia and Lucky relationship a little bit. Um, because it just seemed kind of interesting with a story that is about self identity and stuff that, um, and and finding people to care about that these two people who've mm, had trouble caring about other people and these two people really understand each other. It was it was interesting, but anyway, um, Loki kind of took a big leap forward. He was about to tell her how he felt. Um. And yeah, this part eh, it was a little awkward. So, eh. and then Ravana steps and prunes Loki. Like that part, I think I actually went like, "Oh shoot," because um, you know, there goes the main protagonist of that story. And I honestly started thinking like, my main thought, well, my first thought was, "Oh no, he's gone." again like what is that the the fourth time we've seen loki die on screen um i mean he's 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 beating vision at this point (laughs) so yeah that was that was a little freaky um and i couldn't believe it because i was like wait they're killing the protagonist of the story this show is literally called loki and then my next thought, when Sylvie like took the pruning stick out of Ravana's hand and, and like shoved uh, shoved it at Ravana, and said, "You're going to tell me everything," I started thinking maybe when they called the show Loki, we were talking about Sylvie or referring to Sylvie or other Loki variants or something. Maybe not. Maybe not the Loki we've been following for the past um, three episodes. But then I was like, oh, that still seems a little weird. Because Sylvie, so be, Sylvie, so be not Loki. And, um, yeah, she is a Loki. Something's off about this. I don't, I don't, I don't know. And then I skipped ahead to see there was a post-credit scene. Well, there wasn't, I mean, there was no post-credit scene, but there was a mid-credit scene. And Loki wakes up. There's a ruined Avengers, um, tower, like, to the right of him. What looks like a ruined New York. And he says, am I dead? And this voice goes, um, no, but you will be unless you come with us. And, dun-dun-dun, Loki looks up. Camera pans out to these four Lokis. Um, there's a Loki with a hammer that kind of looks like a golden Mjolnir. Um, a Richard A. Grant Loki, uh, a kid Loki, and an alligator Loki. Um... The name of the Loki with the near like hammer is Boastful Loki, and then the one played by Richard E. Grant is Classic Loki, and then of course Kid Loki and Alligator Loki. Um, so yeah, just when you think you didn't already have enough Lokis in the show, we just got like four more, um, along with names, kind of names, I mean, their names are all Loki, but then you have like Classic Boastful Kid and Alligator Loki. Um. Anyway, that's where it ends. I remember just being totally confused by by this uh, post-credit scene, and it was it was kind of funny though because I didn't realize that those people were Loki's. And then my dad started laughing, and I was like, "Wait, who are those people?" And he was like, "More Loki's." And I was like, "Oh no, what is this show doing?" But I I don't know why I didn't catch it because like they have the horns and stuff, but um. I wasn't much of a comic book reader back then, so I didn't immediately think of, like, comic book Loki when I looked at Richard E. Grant, or, um, Kid Loki from Journey into Mystery when I looked at the Kid Loki. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really interesting post-credits scene, or mid-credits scene. And there are no more... Well, I guess there's, like, a kind of mid-credits scene in, in the last episode of Loki, but... Not exactly, and then there's, um, no post-credit scenes at all, um, but yeah, there's, like, one kind of-ish mid-credit scene in Loki episode 6, but yeah, great episode, lots of reveals. Um, the comic book for this episode is, I'm gonna have to go with Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, that's a good series, um. Moon Girl is a really smart fourth grader. Um, actually proven to be the smartest person on Earth, which sounds crazy. It's comic books. Um, she's an Inhuman, and she meets this dinosaur from, like, the past or something. He's really nice. He, um, pretty much as nice as, like, a pet dog or something, but... Anyway, um, he's Devil Dinosaur, so they go on all these adventures together, and it's just kind of one of, a one of those lighthearted comic books. A lot of them are kind of dark, um... You know how there's there's uh, there's like movies like Black Widow or Captain America: The Winter Soldier that are, they have um, little bits of humor in them, but it's a more dark movie. And then there's moving movies like Guardians of the Galaxy or Ant Man where they're more for comic relief. Um. I'd say action and comic relief. Moon Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is kind of one of those comic relief comics, but I really like it and it's a lot of fun. I believe there's 47 issues in the series, I think. Um, I'm only on like 16 or 17, but it's really, really good. Um, So yeah, I definitely suggest checking out that series. Again, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Um, But yeah, that's really all I have to say for Loki Episode 4. The Nexus event. If you have any thoughts or theories on um, the Nexus event and or what caused it, um, you can leave those in the comment section in Apple Podcast when this episode goes on to Apple Podcasts, or, yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode, um, and, yeah, have a great day, everybody. All right, for the faster, bye!